Hello, and welcome back to the Matron Saint of Nightmares podcast. I'm the Acolyte. And I am the Matron. Uh, thank you for joining us for our seventh episode. Um, this is the second episode in uh, spooky season, October, leading up to Halloween. Uh, decided to take a bit of a change in direction. We were going to do Halloween-themed classic Halloween movies, uh, as we did with Halloween. Have I said that word enough? No. <laughs> um, and... Uh, but we figure since it's the first year and we're still feeling everything out, um, we're just going to go hard. So we watched Hereditary today. Um, and uh, before we started, I just, again, wanted to thank you guys for hanging in with us. Um, still trying to figure out a lot of kinks in the podcast. Um, got like good, a lot of good feedback from some of our early listeners. Um, and uh, I think what a lot of people have felt like they wanted to hear more was uh, actually more to the theme of the podcast, which is a more heavier focus on mental health and we wanted to do that because uh first off we don't claim to be horror movie experts definitely not uh nor do we care to be <laughs> horror movie experts uh speak for yourself and yeah well i mean yeah the, the, kidding. <laughs> you, you do watch a lot of them you know and but i think in terms of history and um and uh those sort of things we might not know as well so but of course you know what you watch and um and yeah, so, you know, again, thank you for hanging in there. Um, and uh, this week is uh, Hereditary. Hereditary is one of my favorite horror movies. I think it really focuses on a lot of philosophical themes and a lot of mental health themes. Um, and it is one of the few movies that genuinely scared me. Um, I think... You know, like we talk about a lot, horror stories are often like trauma stories. And I think this one mm -hmm. is like very specifically a trauma story. Like that's kind of yeah one of the main components of it. And just a quick reminder, there there are spoilers in, in, in this podcast just because um, it's helpful to be able to talk about what happens specifically. <laughs> yeah. We're definitely um, going to ruin it, guys. So, yeah, but, you know, if, if you're not interested in the movie, well worth a listen. If you want to watch it, I'd hold off. And listen and come back to this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots of uh, lots of specific targeted trauma. Yeah. So the so starting off our spoilers, um, what we find out at the end ultimately is that there is a um, one of the kings of hell has been conjured through um, the Hellhound. What are you doing? She's trying to shout at her sister while she's trying to take a shit. Mm-hmm. Rude. Um, so, the king of hell has been conjured? Oh, right. One of the kings of hell. One of the kings of hell has been conjured, and um, the main character, Annie, her mom, is the high priestess of this certain, I don't know, would we say cult? Just call it cult. Demonic cult? Yeah. Um, and... Her mom is able to conjure Paimon, the god of mischief, into her granddaughter, Charlie. But Paimon is a man and wants a male body. And so they go through the process of trying to make Peter as vulnerable as he needs to be to be able to be possessed. Mm -hmm. So it was easier for Charlie because she's a newborn. Mm -hmm. But for Peter, he's like, what, 16, 17? Yeah. He's in high school, and he's older, and they need to make him emotionally or spiritually vulnerable enough to be possessed by Paimon. Yeah. 
And the and the mother Annie is specific in uh, early in Peter's life to make sure that grandma, for some reason, they, it's not really revealed, but grandma's not allowed to really be in um, in uh, Peter's life or in their lives. Right. Um, and the reason for that, I think, is is Annie mentions in a support group is that her mom has DID. So DID stands for Dissociative Identity Disorder. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask that. Yeah, and it's actually, like, often when we see depictions of people with schizophrenia in um, in media, like the movie Split, mm-hmm. um, what, he, what that person actually has is disasso- Dissociative Identity Disorder. Okay. Right? Like so is there no such thing as a split personality type of disorder? No. Type of thing that's a no. fictional thing? Well, that's what this is. Basically, so dissociative identity disorder is this um, is this illness that comes out as people having different personalities. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes it actually doesn't have to be that dramatic. Um, what happens is people disassociate, which is um, it's basically when a uh, very simple way and very like um, limited way to describe it would be like somebody kind of checks out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I see like those jokes see, online a lot where they're right. just like, and I just associate. I just associate it. Yeah. yeah, we all do it sometimes. Disassociative identity disorder, though, it means that they have like a like an actual complete disassociation that kind of leads to like oftentimes they'll have what's called a dissociative fugue, which means like they can't actually remember mm. the times that they were dissociated, and they often like would do do things that they normally wouldn't do. Is that not normally things. implied in a d- dissociation, like that you don't remember, or you just not mm-hmm. even are you saying that they don't remember that they've even dissociated? Yeah, so it, it can actually be pretty common for folks in a bunch of different ways, but where it kind of becomes the disassociative identity disorder is when it's, like, very severe and really impacting your life, and um, sometimes that those people will develop other personalities that might have a different name or something, but that's way more rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, too, sometimes people get nervous if they have a dissociative episode or if they experience some sort of disassociation and then think, like, oh, does this mean that I'm crazy? Does this mean that there's something wrong? But honestly, it's, it's a, one of the many ways that our brain tries to protect our bodies and our, our selves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the stimulus is just too great, and so our brain has to shut down a little bit. Right. Kind of turn some things off so that we can get through it. Yeah. Um, and so in the movie, Annie's mom has DID, dissociative and identity Something disorder. else, right. Um, and a lot of trauma. So her, her husband died of psychotic depression, or died by starvation because he oh, had depression. psychotic depression, mm-hmm. right? And then his, her son died by suicide, and they said he had schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very, like, there's been so much grief in that family. Mm-hmm. And we start off at, um, Annie's mom's funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, we start off with already a tragedy mm-hmm. and then, um, Charlie dies. Right? Horrific. In a very horrific way. I'm very glad you warned me about it. I was... On the fence on whether or not I needed to know. Were you glad you knew? I am. Yeah. It wasn't... I I, I don't think it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but I think that's common in how we interact before the movies. I think you do a pretty good job of making it um, 
seem quite intense and not that, that they aren't but actually like i think you just have stronger reactions to them and i try to prepare you because i'm not quite sure what oh yeah i'm a huge I mean. pussy uh, well, <laughs> and, uh, my reactions are kind of like weird sometimes too. Yeah, so. we we do watch these movies still during daylight. Um, <laughs> let's be very clear. Uh, I don't know if I could do this at night. So yeah, I, again, I'm happy that we had I had the warning. Yeah, but it was exactly. gnarly the way Charlie died. Yeah, yeah, it was gnarly. Um, and one thing that I picked up the second time that we watched it, which was today, um, was. Uh, they are talking about Heracles in um, Peter's high school class. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of ignored it before, but this time I noticed that they were talking about specifically, they specifically like outlined the whole movie in his first class in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were talking about how... In school we call this foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, it's like perfect foreshadowing. So they, they talk about Heracles and they talk about the difference between... Um, like control and lack of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about Heracles's biggest fault being his arrogance and believing he had some control. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And ultimately everything was faded for him. And I think that that is also something we get into just in general in this movie. This movie talks a lot about fate yeah. and like, um, and I think that that's a beautiful discussion to have in the context of grief, especially like that abrupt loss. Right. Because I think it parallels when we're grieving, we feel this intense lack of control. When someone dies, there's there's something. It's so final. Mm-hmm. It's um, it react. Everybody reacts differently, but it's very concrete, and it is. Um, uh, yeah, it's just it's very impactful, and so we're going to. And there seemed, and specifically to the movie, I think there is narrative building. Well, I don't know. If narrative is the right word, but there's some story building about how, why Charlie dies, right? Mm-hmm. Because part of what happens is Peter's going to go to a party. It's it's a party, but he 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 plays it off like it's a school barbecue to his mom. <laughs> and then Annie, his all? mom, yeah. Yeah, and because he wants to go hang out with his friends, smoke some pot, you yeah. know, and like and and uh hit on some girls. And um and so his mom, I think because She's worried about his younger sister, so she says, well, why don't you take your sister with you? And he's kind of stuck in a position, because she's like, oh, you're not going to drink, right? And he's like, well, of course not. And she's like, well, you can bring your sister. And, mm-hmm. well, the, the, the truth is, he's going to go smoke some pot and probably drink. And he, it's, a, it's a party party. It's not actually a barbecue. And he, yeah. it's probably not the spot to bring your sister to, especially right. if she's 13 or yeah. 12, you know. But she, and so she had a severe allergic reaction. She has a nut allergy, and that's ultimately what led to her death. Yeah. Um, um, which was decapitation by electric pole. Yeah, because, yeah, it's just fucking gnarly. Yeah, it's gnarly. And I, think, and I think it's also, like, it's just so disturbing. It's so upsetting. And because it's a child, I think there's that added element yeah. of when gore happens to, like, children yeah, on yeah, TV yeah. In, in general. I mean, it just, it hits us different. Yeah. and. This was, and I think it was, like, meant to be really disturbing. Yeah. And and I think that that's a lot of the movie. It was meant to be, like, very disturbing so that we could, like, feel the emotional weight of everything. Right. Like, what, what I love is how they, like, first of all, Toni Collette is, I've said it before, I'll say it again. She's a goddess. She's incredible. She's so great. And after Charlie dies, like, her reactions are... Like, so gut-wrenching and so, like, um, 
real, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it kind of, you notice like that the discontent that was very present in the family before is just like risen to like this very silent hatred. Yeah. And I really like how they kind of, they showed those dynamics without telling us those dynamics. Right. Right. And I really like that about the movie just in general is that I don't think he force feeds us things. He kind of expects us to pick it up. Yeah. Or it, like, it's a good, it's a good exercise in show don't tell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you can just feel it. You can like feel the tension. You can feel the, yeah. the anger, right? Yeah. Cause Tony Collette, I think, um, one of the, one of the great things about Annie, her character is Annie, um, was sleepwalking mm-hmm. and sleepwalking, um, is like, a, it's a kind of sleep disorder, uh, much like night terrors and nightmares, but, um, tune into our other <laughs> podcast called sleepwalking matron saint of sleepwalking. <laughs> matron I, <laughs> I could be that too. <laughs> no, uh, but it's, it's very scary. So anyway, Annie, sleepwalks and covers both of her children in paint thinner and covers herself in paint thinner and wakes up when she strikes a match. Okay. And then she puts the match out and everybody's okay. Right. But she was clearly, you know, going to set them all on fire in her sleep. And so Annie has this like intense guilt from that, that I think that she's holding on to. She's got this intense kind of like confusion and grief about her family. Mm -hmm. Um, They were all like seriously, had serious mental illnesses and she doesn't really understand. She's very different. And so I think she has a lot of guilt about the sleepwalking. Yeah. And about, you know, almost killing herself and her children. But again, control. And again, control. Right. Because she's out of control. The the sleepwalking isn't her fault. Right. She's not in control of what happens. But at the same time, she was the one that doused them in the paint thinner. She did. And it. struck the match. Right, right. It wasn't her doing it. Yeah. But like, you know, it happened and she was the one that was doing it. Yeah. So it it's very intense for her. And I think that leads to a lot of guilt and that guilt, I think she projects after Charlie's death onto Peter, because if it's Peter's fault, it's not her fault. Right. right. Yeah. If it's Peter's fault, it's not her fault for making Charlie go to the movie. It's not her fault for almost killing her, Peter and Charlie. Um, it's not her fault for being, you know, a million different things. Right. And so she can project that onto her son. Um, who's a teenage boy and let's be real teenage boys are tough anyway yeah like just in general yeah. you know squabbling with their parents yeah. um but this just takes everything up to the nth degree yeah and, absolutely and peter suffers he really does yeah yeah um and you know we eventually find out that the purpose is for him to suffer but yeah um yeah there's a, the real that really intense scene when they're at the dinner table and you could so tell good. it's pretty fresh and Peter's actually sensitive enough to realize, like, actually, my mom blames me for this. Like, yeah. he know, like, it's one thing for him to know that something's wrong and she's just grieving, but he senses that she, she, he realizes before she does. I think even because yeah. she uh, subconsciously blames him, but she doesn't. She's really fighting realize. it off. Yeah, consciously. Yeah, yeah. She's like, no, I know it's not his fault. Whatever. Yeah, but, but then it, it comes out. Right. It comes out right. in the things that she says. In the way where, that she where, where, where she's like, and you don't feel bad for it, you know, like whatever. You didn't say like, you were sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like, like, what the fuck? It was what an was accident. I supposed to say like, sorry he, for? You yeah, know. I mean, clearly he went through hell. Yeah, like sure, I could see how in some situations he would have come back and be like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what the fuck happened, right? But like, like he he was in shock. Yeah. He's probably still in shock. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, forever changed by going through something like that. Yeah. 
um, and um, and they they go at it, and then he, I think, you know, rightly so, also is like, you're the one that told me to bring her to the party, though. Yeah. So what about your complicity? Your complicity? Yeah. Uh, in in that situation or so, in her death? Yeah, and he was saying. Like, okay, you're blaming me, and that's unfair, mm-hmm. and I can blame you, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is Too this doesn't make, share, like, doesn't make sense. And I think it's really great how um, how they show, like, Annie's, like, uh, internal struggle between, like, subconsciously really hating Peter. She can't even look at him. Mm-hmm. She, like, she actively avoids him. Right. She stays in the car outside until he comes in, so then she leaves mm-hmm. to avoid him. Like, she goes through all of these lengths. She can't, she can't stand him. Yeah. She can't stand to look at him. And I think, like, that is such a clear kind of um, example of what I think a lot of us go through is when we feel something that we, we tell ourselves we shouldn't. Yeah. Right? Like, we're feeling a way, but logically, we tell ourselves, no, I shouldn't be feeling this way. And so we fight it off. Yeah. And ultimately, it'll come out. Right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the reality is we are having those feelings. Yeah. So if we're angry and we try to like prevent the anger from coming out, mm. it comes out as like passive aggression right. um, or aggression at something else completely not related to it because it's so difficult for us to contain those emotions and we're not necessarily in control of our emotional response. We're going to have it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And the more we fight it, you know, the more it comes out sideways. Yeah. And so that was a really good, I think it was a great expression of that. Um, in this situation and you see how it coming out sideways affects her relationship not only with Peter but with her husband yeah right yeah kind of the the uh, the, the rock in, in, in all of this mm-hmm. um, I think he I think he handles himself well he's a little distant yeah a little more distant than I would hope that I would be in that situation right but he is figuring out his own grief as well right and that's the uh, I don't know if understated is the right word, but I think the director finds different ways of showing how everybody's dealing with it. And they're all siloed. Yeah. None, nobody's together. Right, right. There is there is not a lot of unity in it. It's very an individualistic way that they've approached it. it yeah, because you know. they're all separated by their like very complicated feelings and grief. Right. And dad wants to be strong so that nobody sees him so that he can help everybody else. Yeah. But even that's disingenuous, right? Right. Because when he's crying at the stoplight... It's, it's a, it's a, a rare brief moment. expression yeah. of his grief, yeah. but he's not doing it in front of anybody else. Yeah. So you get this feeling like he's trying to carry the family. And when um, Annie was like really having a breaking breakdown and saying like, I just, I wish I was dead. I need to be dead. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. He was holding her and he was there like protecting her. Yeah. And like my first thought was like, he's probably not feeling too far from that. Right. Right. Like he just lost his baby too. Right. That's also his daughter. That's also his baby. And he, yeah. So it's, it's, he's not kind of allowed to have an emotional response almost, or he doesn't allow himself. Mm -hmm. And then Peter, Peter's just like lost in the freaking wind, man. Like Peter's like trying to reach out to his family, but kind of doesn't know how Right. Yeah. he feels guilty himself. I think like in that situation, like as a therapist, it's so hard to watch because I, um, whenever trauma happens, we all feel guilty yeah. and we all feel, or uh, most of us feel guilty. A lot of people feel like survivor's guilt, yeah. right? Like it's just such a powerful, mm-hmm. painful thing. And I just wanted to like grab Peter and tell him it wasn't his fault. Right. <laughs> and I felt so bad when he was like, he's just on the outside of everything, you know? I know it's hard in the situation, but there, there seemed to be not a lot of 
acknowledging how other people, what people are going through. Yes, exactly. I think that's like what I felt like I wanted from all the characters was like, yeah, you're in your grief. Like, like to, to, to firstly understand that they're all in their Everyone's own grieving. grief. Yes. And, 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 and even if you think you blame somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Even if being able to tap into that for yourself and saying, I think it would have been helpful if the mother was like, there's something in me that's blaming you and I know it's not, right? Just to even yeah. say that, but saying, I feel that way, right. but I know it's not. And then, and then they could offer the same thing back, right. you know, or whatever it is. And, 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 and it's maybe not, that's like one specific thing they could have done, but there wasn't a lot of like, I know how you, f- not, I know how you feel. Cause I don't I think that's probably the right way to deal with it, but it's like, I'm here with you. Yeah. It. You know, like, yeah. like no matter how ugly, no matter how fucked up you think that what you did or didn't do or whatever it is. Or what's like, going on in your head. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm here with you in that, you know, mm-hmm. and and it was a lot of this, like, and whether it's their history or not, but a lot of, like, not being able to trust each other, I think, in that. Right. And that probably is something else, but this, and, and, but it would, yeah, you're right. It's, they're very siloed, and, and they just have a hard time really connecting to each other. And, of course, it is hard, right, because yeah. you are grieving, you know, but. But there's also, like, a lot of dishonesty about how hard it is, I think. Yeah. And I think Annie kind of takes on all of that. And she, right. she feels it. She expresses it in like very like visible ways. Yeah. And I think it's really hard for. The other thing about Annie is like she's very headstrong. She's yeah. like very, like on her own level, kind of doing her own thing and not really asking for feedback from right. people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she, you know, to give her credit though, like she's the one that seeks out the support group herself you know that's true right after her mother's death and she finds a willingness to speak about it right to open up in the group Mm -hmm. um and yeah you do start to see you see it in her eyes when she's talking about it right where she starts to 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 kind of like really talk about the history and all that Mm -hmm. stuff and you could see i think that's part maybe the acting or whatever it is i believe that at that moment in that support group after her mother dies before charlie dies you see that there's something that's doing something for her mm-hmm. right because she's at a support group and she's talking about it and 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 i mean obviously it's way in the beginning of the movie so you're like <laughs> obviously it's not how it ends but you, you almost start to see her the like beginning steps of of her recovery trying or, to process yeah, it. Processing yeah. It, yeah she's like being open about yeah. it and i think th- and then it gets harder as the tragedies like compound right each other. exactly because yeah. then charlie dies and all all things like everything is yeah. off the table you know yeah and the other the other thing that i wanted to the i mean you know that i really 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 um related to as a guy was that scene where they're smoking pot under the bleachers no never did that as a kid but oftentimes i feel like um, not, not often and I'm lucky, but sometimes, you know, with my guy friends, um, we don't realize how intense certain things that happen to each other are. Yeah. And so, uh, I think, you know, they're smoking pot and their friends are just shooting the shit. Yeah. And talking about girls. Yeah. And they're talking about girls and, and, you know, talking shit. And in some ways, I think that could, that, that is a strategy. I think it's often a male strategy to kind of be like, oh, let's distract ourselves from right. the grief, you know, right. or like, let's. I don't know what to do for you, so I'm going to try to make this situation light or fun or distracting so that if I can't help, at least I won't make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just kind of like, you know, and, and, yeah. and I think 
I think what his friend he needed from his friends was just like, hey, dude, be there. fuck. I, I don't know. You know? Yeah. And sure, smoke the pot. But like, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. And, and they, his friends didn't quite seem like they were there with him, you know? And, yeah. And he kind of has a panic attack, too. And, yeah. And they kind of, yeah. It's, it's really tough. And at one point, like, he asks, can you just hold my hand mm-hmm. to his friend? And his friend does it. And yeah. it's really sweet. Yeah. And I, I think, like, you know, you try, but when, especially when somebody goes through like something that's like so awful like that, um, or goes through grief, like a lot of us get stupid, right? Like a lot of us get really uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable because like, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to help. And because it reminds us of mortality and how awful things can be, right? right? Like how awful it is to have someone ripped away from you like that. And how not in control again. And how not in control we all are. Because exactly. the specific situation of Charlie's death to... Freak accident. It's right. a freak accident. It's a freak fucking accident. Right. Right? Like, yeah, it's, it's fucked. Yeah. And with the Paymon kind of like element, we find out and what they kind of allude to throughout the movie is that there's nothing they can do anyway. Right? Like, right. this has been determined by Annie's mom right. and their cult and Paymon way before. And Charlie was alive and Paymon was on Earth. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's already done. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I think my, my takeaway from the end um, and the amazing, like, cinematography of flashing throughout the whole movie, they do this. They flash because Annie makes miniatures. Mm-hmm. So, they'll have it be, like, the real room and they'll flash it into, like, a toy room. Mm-hmm. But they'll be shooting it like it's still the real room. Right. And it just makes you feel trapped and small. Right. And I think at the end, the last scene, they pull away from the treehouse, and the treehouse is like a miniature. Right. Right? Oh. So it's showing, like, we are all so small and trapped. Like, it's, you're trapped by fate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, like, even you're the stuck. metaphor of, maybe not a dollhouse, because I'm thinking of uh, the Haunting of Blythe Manor now, which is the other show we're oh, watching. love it. But, because there's a dollhouse theme mm-hmm. in that one, and the idea that, so I kept, think, I kept thinking dollhouse, but Annie, the mom, is um, actually an artist that focuses on miniatures. Yes. Um, and so she does these little, I don't know, dioramas? That's a little insulting. But they're just very high-detail miniature, miniature models yeah. of specific scenes in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, I was thinking dollhouse because of the other show, but in a way, a dollhouse is being controlled by whoever's playing. Right. And... And, and I'm choosing... And pieces. Yeah. I'm choosing that interruption... Uh, not interruption... Interaction? Uh, Not interaction. Interpretation. Oh, yeah. We got there. We got there. (laughs) Um, We made it. I'm sure it's interpretation because, yeah, like, that that goes, again, I think, to the lack of control, right? Because if you're in a dollhouse in a miniature, then your life is being dictated by somebody else. Yeah. And you're not in control. And this is, like, a pretty meta-downer kind of, like, statement to make after that. But I think one thing that... I think is interesting is like what if the person controlling dollhouse is evil right yeah, right because like what if the cosmic order is evil there's not there's a mention of the trinity in this movie at the end we reject the trinity we reject the trinity that's yeah. the only thing that they mention of like any other force right they don't mention church they don't mention anything right. there's no alternate force for them right there's no way out for them yeah 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 and so like this idea of like what if like there's no divine 
like just power? What if it's just like cosmic cruelty, right? Yeah. Like what if like the, the seven kings of hell are just like the ultimate power? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what, I, what if we're in, uh, what if we're, uh, I don't know why I just think of being like one of, uh, Sid's toys in <laughs> Toy Story. Yes. Where you're just like, like you're in the play box or like the sandbox of fucked up little kid. Yeah. You know. Actually, when I was a little girl, I came to my mom and I would always come to her with these like really weird questions. And one day she said I was like six. I came to her and I was like, mom, what if we're all just dolls in God's dollhouse? <laughs> and my mom was like kind of freaked out. She was like, is this kid depressed? Like what's going on? And she yeah. went to my dad and told my dad and my dad says, uh, well, she'll never be shallow. <laughs> like, well, she's thinking about the meaning of life, I guess. That's yeah. good. I don't know. Um, but it's it's that feeling and I think we, we can all kind of relate to because we don't know where the control in the universe is coming from, right? Like yeah. we we have our faith and we have like spiritual practices that ground us in the universe and we have our outlook on life and purpose and all of these great things, right? Yeah. But ultimately, like we all can and somehow identify with that feeling of not being in control. Yeah. And that I think is kind of at the heart of what scares me about this show is it's talking about what if like our lack of control was just ultimate. Yeah. Right. Like what if we're just dictated to, Yeah. and I mean, I think that like the mom, the, the grandma had some power, mm-hmm. right. Cause she conjured him and the, the cult has some power because they, I don't know, we're a part of him getting into the right body, I guess. Well, let's break that down, because yeah. I, I do think that, like, uh, the only... I'm not necessarily pushing back, but I think, no, like, like, the family have vulnerabilities, right? Because part of what Paimon, the, the, one, of the, one of the kings of hell that is basically setting all this in motion, um, is he preys on vulnerability. And this family is vulnerable, right? Right, very vulnerable. I, I will say that... While the circumstances was out, were out of their hands, I do think that they did have a choice in order in, in how they interacted with each other as a family. And of course, you could argue that their history and who they are and how things have gone led them to that point. But I'd still like to believe that we have a choice in those situations to reach out, to um, try to unify, right? Because and I'm not saying that they didn't, because that's how the movie was written. But I think sometimes it's maybe a little too depressing or too fatalistic to be like, oh, well, we don't have any choice when even if even if the even if we're living in an evil kid sandbox. Yeah, I think even if the ending was the same. The members of that family still could have done something to ease each other's pain before they all got fucked. That's a good point. (laughs) You know, and and, and that, that, that and that's kind of how I'd like to believe our existence sometimes is in this life as well, right? Even if you want to take the fatalistic route and be like, I have no control, I can't do anything, I still, even if that was how I believe things, I still want to make it so that before it's all fucked, yeah, that maybe we can ease some each other's suffering love somehow. It. Man, that is just awesome. I love that. And it's kind of what they talk about in The Good Place too, right? Mm-hmm. Like when they realize they're all doomed and they're going <laughs> yeah. to hell and they're like, well, yeah. why not? We yeah. might as well try to do good, right? Yeah. Like we might as well. Like, and- yeah, like if you want to take the cynical route or whatever, you know, like 
How can you make somebody's ease, uh, the suffering better? And also, how can you fucking enjoy yourself a little? And, no, of and course, your suffering a, also counts, right? As right. someone's suffering. Like, right. ease your own suffering, ease somebody else's suffering. Absolutely. Like, you know, well, yeah, yeah. what duty do you have to yourself to kind of say, hey, I'm suffering. How do I deal with this so that it doesn't... I mean, you know, I don't think you should feel the guilt of, like, it, your own suffering and grief fucking with somebody else. But at the same time, like, it's a it's a group project sometimes, right? Like, some a, a family member dying is a group project. It's not Hell a yeah. personal thing, you know? Yeah, because it can't be. We it can't. It feels like that. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I think even if you don't have family, even if you don't have, like, you know, like the, the typical supports, yeah. finding support system, right? Because we can't it's too difficult for us to go through these things on our own. It's yeah. just more work than one person's able to do. Yeah. And with grief, like I think grief is such an interesting thing um, because it's a physical reaction, right? We talk about mental health a lot and we don't talk about like the physical side effects from like mental health. Yeah. Right. So like grief is um, like often people will describe it, have described it to me as like, Oh, I got hit by a truck. Like, yeah. my body's sore. Yeah. Like, I can't... Like, my stomach hurts. Like, my back hurts. Like, my muscles ache. I'm, like, shaking. I'm sweating. I'm... Because it is physically painful as well as emotionally painful. Yeah. Right? And those two things, like, also feedback are the loop. same. Yeah, they're kind of a feedback loop, yeah, yeah. right? They're kind of similar. So, it's... Um, we need some help during those times. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I remember the last time I had a major event in my life. Um, for the first month, I had, had like, stomach aches. Oh, for sure, yeah. You know? And so, like, um, and, well, you know, to be very fair, it was hardly a fraction of what I, what was shown in the movie, you know? Of course. But, um, yeah. Well, actually, that, 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 that leads us to one of our, you know, closing questions is, who are you in this movie? And, oh, this is a good movie to do that with. So good. I don't know, man. I don't know. I can... Mm, do you have yours? Yeah. Who's yours? I'm Annie, the mother. I was... Yes! I was... Like, because... Because she, I think, is so stuck sometimes. Yeah. You know? And the, it's the scene where she finds out that Charlie's dead, um, and she's in her bedroom with her husband, and she's, like, kneeling on the ground, and she's... Like wailing. Inconsolable. The way she's screaming, yeah. it's so... There's, like, a purity in it. Not yeah. purity. It's not right word. But there's a, there's a rawness to yes. it. Yes. And the things that she's saying, describing how she feels, and again, you know, I only felt, like, I think, a fraction of that ever. Right. But it was, like... Because she was, like, I can't go on living. Yeah. You know? And it's not... I think... It's a very specific thing, I think, for people that have been there. It's not a, I'm going to kill myself. Right. Type. It's not a suicidal thing. It's, I can't do this. This is not possible. Yeah. I just, like, if life is going to be like this, again, it's not, I wouldn't consider that, like, thoughts of suicide. It's just, like, I just want to disappear. Right. And, and for the, and the, the reason why is because this hurts so much. Yes. Like, I don't want to feel this anymore. Yes. Get it away from me. Um, and so I think that alone, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that I didn't quite relate with, you know, but maybe that was me trying to also reject my tendency to be like that too. Right. Because I think yeah. ultimately she's a good representation of like somebody that just isn't dealing with it. Well, it's not her fault. Right. Cause yeah. she's lost her brother, her father, her mother and her child. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. 
And yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. I really like that um, that scene also, although it like kind of hurt my chest a little bit. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Like when you're it's seeing somebody like go through that, it's so just like, well oh. and it's so well done. And yeah. I and it's just like such acute pain, right? Yeah. My sister actually like with physical pain. My sister when she was um, giving birth to my niece. There was this point, I was, like, her birthing coach, and she, like, grabbed me by, like, my my shirt, and she, like, pulled me close, and she was, like, I can't do this. They have to cut this baby out. <laughs> and it was just, like, this raw, like, I can't do this. No, right. this is impossible, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's just, like, that, like, barrier of pain where right. it's, like, this is too much. I can't cope with this, yeah. but I have to, right? Like, Like, for my sister, it's, like, this baby's coming, and for Annie, it was, like, you know... Death's not coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, I mean, it was for her actually, but, but she had to endure. She had to keep going. She found a way to keep going, but it also made her vulnerable for, um, Paymon because she ultimately, Paymon also does possess her. Right. Okay. So Paymon basically jumped from Mm -hmm. Charlie to the book and then Paymon was in the book. Oh. And then she burned the book and then the dad died and then Paymon directly from the book came to Annie. Okay. And then went from Annie to Peter. Which is, I think, who I would be. I think I'd be Peter yeah. in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say that, but I, I, he's too pure. <laughs> I'm just I know. Like, he's so pure. Like, like, I just, he's, yeah. I think I, I think I, like, identify with just, like, and maybe it's from growing up in a fundamentalist church, but. I, I just identify with that feeling of guilt. Mm. Like, he's just so plagued by this guilt, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, like, the whole time you're like, Peter, you didn't you didn't do it, buddy. Mm-hmm. But um, but I really like him. I'll go Peter. Cool. Um, should we talk about the deaths? We can talk about the deaths. So. First grandma's funeral. First grandma's funeral. Then Charlie, which we talked about her death. Yeah, she gets that decapitated. Was, yeah, she gets captivated by the pool. Brutal. Um, the next person... Is Dad. Oh my gosh, you're right. There's not yeah. a lot of deaths. There's not a lot of deaths. Know. Yeah, Dad is the next person. Dad gets burned alive. Yeah, it's pretty... pretty not rough. in my top five. Yeah, if I had my choice, I would not get burned alive. Yeah. Um, and then... Okay, thanks. Okay, thanks. And then Annie's also decapitated... Yeah, she decapitates herself. With a piano wire. Which, again, not my choice of how to go. No. That's, that was very disturbing. Yeah, that was, that was pretty gnarly. And then I guess you could say Peter, because he dies, or he, does he die when he falls out the window? No, 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 he needs a living body. Yeah. So he's still Peter, I think. But he's also Charlie. Because, um... Well, Charlie Joni. is Paymon. Oh, I know. See, this is my question. So does Charlie's soul and Paymon's soul are one? I think so. Okay. Um, that's, that's my interpretation. I think it was more of a... I don't know why I'm, like, so into, like, the specifics of this, but... Yeah. But I'm just confused. Because when, um, when Peter hits the ground, like, there's, like, a black figure that moves away from him and then the blue figure moves in and so i wonder if that was like peter's spirit leaving and then paymon taking the body i I mean yeah i I guess he's dead because he essentially dead because he's possessed yeah right the kings of hell i guess like it's my way of trying to get peter out of this somehow yeah like in my head i'm trying to get peter in out (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 
the poor boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, as far as rating goes, I think, you know, this is one of my more favorite horror yeah. movies, um, which is weird to say because it's so soul-crushingly sad. And, um, but I think it's so well done and yeah. so intricate, and yeah. I love the depth of it. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate, like, the details that I think were really great. Yeah, it was scary for sure. Um, my new rating system is going to be, can you watch at night? Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and this, I'm glad we didn't watch at night. Yeah. I think some of the other ones, I've been like, okay, I probably could have done that uh, at night. But this one, I could solidly say, don't watch at night. That's fair. I think don't that's watch alone. And, um, yeah. I actually watched this at night alone um, a night before work one time. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> And I went, no, I went back into work the next day and I was working with this veteran and, uh, he's like, you seem really jumpy today. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> um, I did watch a scary movie last night. He, I told him which one and he was saying like, um, he just basically told me like, if you think that's scary, you're ridiculous. Um, right. So I think everybody has like a different threshold. threshold and different things make different people feel scared. True. This one scared me. Yeah. Like, I wasn't, it wasn't, like, terrifying, but it was, and just, like, the, I think, like, the, the, um, the, there's just, like, the, the grossness of it, or, like, yeah, the brutality of gnarly, it, like, I think kind of haunted me a little bit. It's not, like, saw-level gory, but it is gory. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, none of them, I'm glad, a lot of them, I ha haven't stuck with me, so yes. I'm not, like, none yeah. of them have kept me up at night. Um, which is good, um, but I, I, I don't think that's the metric anymore for how scared I am of a movie. This this had me close to covering my eyes at some point. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's that. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, All right. And with that, happy Halloween. Sweet happy dreams. Halloween, sweet <laughs> dreams.